tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Mac. A community like Rochester gives far more than it takes out here. It's a great example of country towns all over Australia when you've got your back to the wall, that you have to work together because you haven't got any choice. And then as well as that, you've got to work together to make sure you know, the local government or the other departments all, we get our share, and many communities this year right across Australia have had to face that. And Rochester, I think... Um, is a great example of that to themselves. We catch and kill our own around here. It's, it really is a town that knows that it's who it is, what it is, and we'll get through it. You know, we'll talk about it in we'll 10 years' time. We remember. Say, remember the flood and where we are and you know, all that sort of stuff. And, yeah. and to me, that is the truth of how country towns work. And you know, just looking the faces today and you know, the old quiet chat leading into each other and stuff like that, it's um, sort of that Aussie sort of way of doing things, isn't it? No, it's true. But look, even um, just watching today, you know, like... Over a lifetime of living in any country town, you, you see different people at different stages in life. And today, people coming down, and like you said, at about six o'clock, there wasn't, you know, the Corellas were here. And, and um, now look what we've got on a Sunday morning. And, you know, Rochi probably got, hasn't got a lot going on. So look at this for a, just a great morning, just to get out, and the Lions Club's doing their thing. And Nice crowd of people, lovely, isn't it? So, no, it's good. But look, Macker, um, thanks for choosing us and coming come for a visit. And I know it took a bit to get you here and all that sort of stuff, but no. From our point of view, thank you very much for coming, mate. Oh, it's a pleasure. Paul? It's Paul, isn't it? Yeah. Good on you, Paul. There's a radio show that Australians all know. If you're rich or you ain't got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. Oh, good morning. Welcome to the program, wherever you are. It's lovely to have your company. Uh, I'm Susan from Barma, says Susan, of course. I wrote 20 years ago, I live on the edge of the Barma Forest and we breed and train and race pacing and trotting horses. And speaking of which, the final heats of the Inter-Dominion. I can't understand why there's not more publicity for the Inter-Dominion. Um, big race. It was on in Geelong last night. Um, lots of horses from all over the place, from Western Australia. There's a Western Australian horse. I don't think it's as strong as in past years, but uh, there you go. But it's still a great meeting and it was on last night in Geelong and now the final will be in uh, in Melbourne next uh, Saturday night. Be a nice place to be. But uh, Susan says she breeds and trains and races pacing and trotting horses. Remember, I spoke to Maddie Craven last week. Um, uh, and then Susan says, when working our beautiful horses, the rainbow bee-eaters dart in and out. This is in the barn, I suppose. And around the horses when it's their migration time. This is the birds, not the horses. <laughs> They're rainbow bee-eaters. They come from, yeah, north. But at the moment, we're inundated with flood water, and I would love to send you a photo I've been sent as we're travelling back from the Gold Coast to Barma, says Susan. Love to see that. Kai Valley, says Bev, is a small farming district between Kyabram and Tongala, 20 minutes from Rochester. We had a lovely time in Rochester last Sunday morning. The Corellas were a highlight. The people were a highlight. It was just a butte morning. Anyway, Bev says, Kai Valley Progress Association are planning to unveil plaques on a new war monument next year to honour soldiers from our local district. We're seeking names and contact details, details of family members of Kai Valley soldiers from World War I and World War II to invite these relatives to the unveiling event. There you go. Uh, you've heard it here first. Uh, we had a call earlier this morning from Janet. Janet's in Yagara, and Yagara's like Rochi like Molong, like you name it, many towns uh, and cities along our river systems on the east coast certainly that have been bashed and smashed. They're having a big day on the 17th of December, which is a Saturday, isn't it, Kel? Um, there in, and you know, she told me just the stories of, you know, I mean, you've seen it, but it's nothing like being there and seeing the, the, you can't tell on television really. You can tell by talking to people. You can hear it in their voices, but you have to be there, like travelling around the streets of Lismore after, immediately after the flood 
when the water goes down and everybody starts all the houses. The houses are in the street, if you know what I mean, the insides of the houses. But uh, I'd love to go to Yagara. Maybe we'll go next year. I don't know. I don't think we can go this year between now and the end of the year. As I said, we've got four four programs today and then there's next week, the week after. And, and Sunday, the 25th, is a Christmas day and we'll be on air on that day. And then we've got a, then we've got a break. But all sorts of things. We've had all sorts of... And Shane just rang us from a helicopter. I should re- try and replay that, but I'll replay it next week. It's lovely. He's in, he's in a helicopter with his little team and they're spraying near Batlow and Batlow got burnt, see, um, a year ago. Was it a year ago? Anyway, some mail as well. Good morning, Macca. Phil from Rochi Bakery. We were there. We were there. <laughs> a couple of businesses have opened up this week after your visit. Not fully, but I believe but trading. Our schools and hospital will be a while. I love the cappuccino song. Makes me smile. I'll play it again. For, I played it already, but maybe I could play it. It was lovely to be there. It was lovely. Sunday morning, outside, wherever you are, Korokai, you name it. doesn't matter where you are. It's a great thing to do. Um, and I'm just quickly looking through these. It's opening Cray weekend here, says Stuart. Uh, in southern Tasmania, just working on the fish farm. It's opening cray weekend here and there's a cray pot and boats everywhere. There's cray pots and boats everywhere in great weather on the water today. Lovely listening on the water on Sundays, Stuart and Anton. Thank you. Um, thank you for the information on Toughen Up Princess. I love it. I'm going to play it to one of my and only to my one and only eight-year-old granddaughter. I'm 77 now, and my ex-husband, 85. And my now and now my ex-husband's 85. Uh, anyway, w- when we were children, any issues, we were told to pull our finger out and toughen up. have to say, I think it worked for our generation. We became stoic and tough and didn't whinge. <laughs> A lot less mel- mental health issues. Mm, says Jenny McLeod. Good on you, Jenny. Yes, well, it's a bit hard at times, isn't it, to toughen up? Sometimes just life gets you down and you look at things and it's it's been that sort of three years, hasn't it? You know, it's been three years and as people say, you'll never be the same. But yeah, we will be. We'll 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 get through. We'll learn. We'll navigate away. We always navigate a path, whatever we're doing. Some months ago, I heard you discussing the dis- disappearance of the humble village phone booth, says Rosalie Lohman. During October, when my husband and I were having a relaxing week in Tassie, that's my eighth trip to Tassie, and I absolutely love the state, we walked along the streets of Stanley and lo and behold, an old phone booth that still looks operational. You mean like one of those proper ones with a door and a red, I suppose, what you mean, Rosalie. Um, but because there's plenty of phone booths. Well, not plenty because they lot got rid of a lot of them. But now I think, as I've said to you, and we've worked out, you and I have worked out that they've kept them because in lots of places it's the only, it's the only communication you can get. Mobiles don't work in lots of places. But even in cities... They're around the place and they're, yeah, they're handy. I mean, not everyone's got a mobile phone and how many times you you leave it at home and you need the phone or the battery's flat. The battery's flat. Isn't that amazing? The batteries are going flat. Uh, 1300 700 222, that's our number. I'd love to talk to you. G'day, this is Macca. Oh, g'day, Macca. It's Mick. How are you? Good, thanks, Mick. That's the show. I'm just uh, heading up the road to Kerrang. Uh, we've got a job on this morning with a group of volunteers from... CFA and SES, we're filling up uh, bulker bags with sand, a thousand kilos to turn them into giant sandbags. Uh huh, and the purpose of which is? So uh, we're going to put those with a helicopter into some uh, breaches along the Loddon River on Tuesday. We've got a a big helicopter coming in that'll lift uh, two bags at a time and two tonne of sand in these bags and drop them in the holes to in the breaches along the Loddon River in bits. Wow, wow. So it's copped a bit. Obviously, everything's copped a bit. And I, I noted that the um, the water's travelling down the Murray and uh, down towards Renmark and running a banker down there and 
heading further down into, you know, past Adelaide and wow. Yeah, it's causing a bit of problem all the way through. So this is uh, this is something we did a couple of weeks ago, and we're repeating the process now. That six weeks now, the uh, the Loddon River's been out of its banks, and and uh, before we can get the water off the land up around Benjaroop and Murrabit and places like that, we've got to fill in these holes so that uh, we can um, start draining the water away. Where does the helicopter come from? It's one of those big ones, obviously. Yeah, so it's one of the firefighting helicopters that, uh, that Victoria have on contract at this time of year. So we're uh, we're just using it for this little job uh, on Tuesday. Yeah, well, um, that's a th- did you say a thousand kilo bags? Yeah, so we weigh them on cattle scales and uh, up to a thousand kilos each, and then we uh, use the helicopter to drop those in two at a time into the uh, into the breaches on the river. Um, and what's your job, Mick, or what do you do when you're not doing this? So I actually work for CFA. I, uh, I work up around Kerrang in this part of the world and work with volunteers. It's a terrific job. Yeah, and you wouldn't think, would you, in uh, a summer in uh, Australia that you'd be doing this? You'd, you'd think of, you think summer Australia, you think bushfires, don't you? Uh, well, that's normally our game, but um, yeah, at the moment we've got a bit of fire and a bit of flood and... and uh, and a bit of mosquitoes as well, so we've got a bit of everything, really. Yeah. Well, how long will you work all day today, will you? And and Monday, you said Tuesday you're going to do the job. Yeah, that's right. We'll chip away and fill them, fill them up um, this morning before it gets too hot, and uh, and then uh, Tuesday we'll, the helicopter will be here and we'll uh, we'll get into it. Well, good on you, mate. Um, it's uh, exciting in lots of ways, isn't it, to do something to, and hopefully that'll. Fill the breach, I was going to say, but hopefully it will. Yeah, I reckon it will, and it's uh, and it's good to see you sitting at Rochi too. They need a bit of a shout out. They're doing it tough. Yeah, it was a lovely morning, mate. It was a lovely morning. Nice to get out too, and and the rain seems to have disappeared for a while. It's just the water now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little, it'll dry up eventually. We'll be talking about how dry it is and how dusty it is soon enough. So. Exactly. All right, good on you, Mick. Good on you. Thanks, mate. Nice to talk to you. Bye. Josh is in car call. Morning, Josh. Morning, Macca. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thank you, mate. That's good. What's, up, <clears throat> what's happening in car call? We have the sheepdog trials, arena sheepdog trials at the car call showgrounds. Started on Thursday and finishes today. Today will be our final day. And, and we have finals today. We've got 140 dogs. We've uh, got people from all over New South Wales. And uh, we've had a pretty good trial so far. There you go. And you've got dogs, have you, Josh? Yes, I have. I've got uh, ten dogs. Wow. Uh, worked worked five in the trial uh, myself. And uh, been doing it for a fair while now, Mac. I've been doing it just on eleven years. And is this this is your hobby, right? This is. Uh, do you do it professionally? Do you go around to trial various trials, or you just stick local? No, I. I Go around to various trials, travel in a state, um, trialled in just about every state of Australia, um, except for Tasmania. I haven't been over to Tasmania, and we don't have trials up in the Territory, but apart from that, we have trials all over Australia, and uh, there's a bit of a circuit that happens mm-hmm. throughout the states, and we all uh, get in and and uh, yeah, cross over with the circuit and um, try and... See, uh, see how we can go. Do you find it frustrating? How do you go? Do you go all right? Yeah, yeah. I won the Victorian Championships back in April, which is one of the major trials to win in Victoria. It gives mm-hmm. me eligibility for Canberra for the Champion of Champions next year. Yeah. There you go. So uh, it's a pretty big deal. But, um, no, we... Uh, we we love it. We enjoy it. We got uh, three sheep, but we're out on the size of a football field for fifteen minutes, and uh, we yeah, it's it's something that uh, we all love. There's a heap of us here. There's over thirty competitors here, mm. and uh, about one hundred and forty-five dogs. As and my mate, uh, what was his name? He said to me, he said, yeah, he said, 
there's three sheep, a man and a dog, and somebody's always mucking it up. Um, <laughs> usually, yeah, that's usually what happens. I was That'd at, be just right. I was at yeah. the Hall Showgrounds one week, and they were out there. So a bloke was out there with his dog and three sheep, and all of a sudden, one sheep took off, shot across the yard, jumped the fence, and went straight down the main street. <laughs> went yes. straight down the main street of Hall. <laughs> That's in the yes, ACT. Yeah, I've seen that happen on a couple of occasions, Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, good fun. Can you? Do you make any money? I mean, you get is there money prizes or do you win a? You know, like when you win win at golf, you get a tray and some glass goblets or things things like uh, that. The, the money the money varies, Mecca. Uh, I think actually the one you just mentioned is probably worth uh, worth the most money on the on the actual run because Hall now is worth $5,000. Wow. Um, the champion of champions worth uh, an extra $1,500. So if you're lucky enough, if you got one in the champion of champions and you, you're lucky enough to win the Open, you uh, you pick up $1,000 plus an extra 1500 and then you've got your other prize money for the novice, uh, well, the maiden down there. But no, Hall is definitely the, the biggest one on our circuit. Um and everything else just sort of varies in between, but the money is is uh, more made off people selling dogs. Um, there's there's more money to be made off of dogs being sold to farmers, dogs that don't suit us, and uh, than what there is in actually winning a dog trial. What's a dog go for these days? Oh, fully trained dogs starts anywhere from about. Oh, say fifteen hundred dollars onwards goes right right up the top now. I think we're up to forty nine thousand for the record. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Oh well, there you go. Now, whenever I talk to someone like you, Josh, early in the morning, like it is now, and I, I think, gee, I'd like to be in Carcor this morning doing our program now because there's a few people that'd be up. Some of them be up now and getting ready, and they'd be round, and but they got things to do at the dog trial, but. It's nice to be out early in the morning. What's it like in Karkor this morning? I bet it's a ripper. It's beautiful in Karkor this morning, Macca. It's one of the best mornings we've had so far. It's it's nice and still. Uh, the sun's out. The uh, there's a little little bit of dew around this morning, but I don't think it's going to stay long. But no, it's a beautiful day. It's a Macca morning, mate. Good on you, it's Josh. Thank you, Macca. Good luck. Thank you. See you, mate. Janet's in Yagara. Morning, Janet. Good morning, Macca. How are you? Yeah, good. How's things in Yagara? You got flooded, of oh, course, didn't you? Yes, we got. We've got. Sm- yes, more, smashed. Flooded, like, smashed. This is the word. Yeah. More, yes, but we're recovering slowly, mm-hmm. and uh, everything's you know getting slowly cleaned up, and uh, we're, we're looking forward. We're going to have a bit of a Christmas do after the showground on the seventeenth of December for everyone from Yagara, and. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it was you know, certainly very su- surprising. I mean, I've lived in Yagara nearly fifty years. We've had a few odd floods, but nothing nothing like this. It was just like a, an ocean coming across. And uh, I got caught in my house, and so did a lot of other people get caught. And uh, and uh, the, the young people in town were marvellous. <clears throat> They came round and you know, rescued people and took you know out of the flood water. Mm. And uh, sadly, we lost two people, but we could have lost a lot more only for all these <clears throat> young people. Who and, in uh, in tinnies and things like that were they? The, 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 they were in, tin, in 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 trucks and tinnies, yes. And and uh, the fellows that found me, they, they 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 were looking. There was a car washed across the paddock in front of me, and uh, they thought there might have been someone in the car. And uh, they were walking along, wading through the road. And uh, that's when I saw them coming, which I was very pleased after being five hours stuck in the water. Mm. And uh, and they came and waded in and, and got me out that way. So, but, uh, and, it's, and it's, well, it's interesting, isn't it, that um, there's so many towns in, uh, certainly in New South Wales and Victoria, you're, you're sort of sister cities now because they yeah. got the same. We were just in Rochester last week, um, and they they got smashed overnight, just like you and Ugara yes. and places all along the Murray and along the Murrumbidgee and along the Lachlan. And you're all sister cities. You all get together. There's probably about ten or fifteen towns that, 
not only got flooded but got smashed around. So yes, you've got yes. a lot in common with other Aussies now, which other, is other, yes. It it reminds me a bit of you know the song you used to sing about hanging out the washing. You know when the bogan flooded. Oh yeah, there's a hundred we were... tons of washing on the on the yes yeah on that's the, right. When Cobar did the washing and that was that yes. happened. That happened up in Lismore and uh, look at all those places up there. We went to Korokai, but all those other places that uh, Broadwater yes, and stuff got smashed. We were carting you know, loads of dirty washing up to Orange and people were <coughs> washing, you know, doing all the washing in Orange. <coughs> I'm sorry, I've hardly got any voice left. <laughs> you're right, That's you're right. Never mind. But you know, we're, we're, we're looking forward to it. You know, Yagara has always been a very progressive little village. And uh, we're looking looking forward to to be doing bigger and better things, and yeah, you know, we were going so well, and we were <clears throat> hoping that maybe you might be able to come out and and visit us in 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 January or early next year somehow. Right? I reckon that's a I'm just thinking it's a distinct possibility. I was thinking the seventeenth of December. That's a Saturday, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's a Saturday, the seventeenth, and we're on here on the Sunday, which is the eighteenth. Um, Oh, yes. I've got something on the Monday, which is uh, so I don't think I could make it. But oh, look, no, it's I, a promise. Maybe next, maybe next year. Yeah, we'll come out in uh, uh, maybe in February, not January, because I'm I'm on holes in January, which yes, is nice. Yes. But um, yeah, we'll we'll come out for sure, and uh, it'll be yeah, lovely because we've got a lovely little park there, and you know, and <clears throat> right on the creek. Mm-hmm. But you know, it was just such, such an unusual. It wasn't just a flood; it was, you know, like a, an ocean. Because opposite me, where my little house was, is is the canola paddock, a big, and and it was just all this great waves coming in the canola that windrowed the canola, <clears throat> and uh, everything just was covered in canola. And, and <laughs> my right house, here. my house moved halfway down the block, but the house over the road from me, it moved a block and a half. Down the street, I couldn't believe when a friend said, "Oh, we couldn't get back to our house because there was a a house coming down the street." And I thought he was exaggerating. It's like that ad on the TV where you see the house running down the street. Oh dear! Yeah, dear. that's that's right. A bit like that. It was just unbelievable that uh, everyone's been so marvelous and, and you know donating things and 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 helping out and it's well, you know. Great community spirit. Well, Janet, you keep in touch and I'll keep in touch and we'll see you before you can turn around, okay? I love you. Yes, I'd love you to be able to come. I've been trying to get you to come to Yagara for a long while. <laughs> well, you've succeeded. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll be there sooner or later, okay? In, fe- in February. Okay, Macca, thanks a lot. Good on you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Uh, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Just on my way to fix a wind turbine down uh, outside Ballarat this morning. What's your name? Matthew. Oh, hi, Matthew. Yep. What do you do? What's? How do you fix it? Oh, mate, they're uh, they're getting pretty big these days. So the, the gearboxes <laughs> up there are weighing well past forty tons. Uh, so we develop a lot of specialised tooling to uh, be able to repair um, as much as we can up there without getting in those uh, very large cranes, which can be very expensive. Yeah, so what do, you, do you climb up inside them? Is there a ladder inside or something, or what do you do? Yeah, look, the old, the real old ones have a ladder all the way in the centre, um, and, uh, you know, you've got a bit of climbing to do and uh, a lot of tooling to bring up. Uh, a lot of the newer ones now, they've got, a, they've got a lift inside them. Not a big lift, like a construction-type lift. Yeah, so... It just they just seem a very complicated hold. There must be, I always thought there must be a better way than putting all these things across the. And there's a lot, as you said, a forty ton gearbox. Yeah, yeah, pretty big, <laughs> pretty big. Uh, but I, I guess it's always a challenge with, with the energy um, spread um, and technology growing. But yeah, uh, you know, I, I think it's just having the balance at the moment, and you know, things will will evolve with time. But um, I mean, it's it's a lot better than a than a coal mine and a, a thermal power station. I used to do a lot of projects with coal mines, and uh, you know the the damage they do to the, the countryside and the water. Um, it's it's horrible stuff. So um, you know, a lot of people might look at wind turbines and think, oh, it's a 
you know, a scar on the landscape, but uh, I guarantee I'll take it to a coal mine. Uh, they'll be thinking differently. Yeah, I've flown over a coal mine. I've flown over a coal mine and seen the drag lines and all those sort of things. Uh, I think it's six or one half a dozen the other. There must be a better way, and you'll probably find in, you know, 50 years' time there'll be a, a, a whole new way of, of getting energy. I don't, know, I don't know, but, I mean, this is just, it's just a process. We just seem to go through this is another stage, and I'm sure that... Um, in the time, people, humans are very inventive, aren't they, in terms of you know, things, the way they're doing things. So maybe in, maybe even quicker, maybe in ten or twenty years, there'll be different ways to, to do, to do and get um, harness energy. Yeah, may well be, may well be, but uh, it, it'll evolve with time. But the, the technology and the turbines is getting pretty big now, and uh, you know it, it does take about probably after three years they they pay off their CO2 footprint really so mm. it's um it's going the right way that's for sure I think the the biggest challenge with us these days is, is skill shortage and um having qualified people to to do the work Matthew so what do you do you get up in there with a with a huge huge spanners I mean you you repairing the gearbox or the electrical part of it or what uh, the gearbox um, we're we're mechanical, so uh, uh, we're changing out some some fairly large bearings up there, mm. um, which uh, they'd, they'd weigh a bit too, wouldn't they? They do, Macca. Yeah, there's there's a bit to do, and and a lot of the the newer turbines they've got a small crane out the back, so you can sometimes lift up to a ton to get things up there. So uh, the idea is just keep things modular and uh, take uh, pieces up at a time. Um, is there a lot of wear and tear on them when they're spinning around like they do, and they're big, heavy uh, fans, aren't they? Yeah, they they definitely are. Um, I, I suppose for the most part, it's, it's uh, they they suffer a lot of you know oscillating type loads, uneven loads, a lot of torsional twisting and, and things like that. Because so the, the wind changes slightly changes the direction. Is that it? Does yeah, it does. It's a challenging environment for it, and 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 the the thing you got to keep these gearbox weights down as low as you can. Um, so um, they're, they're sized quite marginally, so they're, they're quite sensitive things. They don't uh, uh, like when you've got a a wind uh, wind vane on your roof or something like that. It sort of swings round to take advantage of the wind, but they don't turn do they in the the wind turbines don't turn to take advantage of the wind they just they're built so to take advantage of the usual wind that comes through but sometimes it can come through from another way can't it no no they, they will yaw they'll yaw they'll pick up the wind and they'll chase it will they yeah they absolutely do they're on a big ring gear up the top so the whole nacelle will yaw it will it will wow. always chase the wind yeah well, and, that- the, and the blades the blades will pitch um, you know, to make it as, as efficient as possible. And that's been, but that's another thing to be repaired too, isn't it? If it, if it keeps, it's another, <laughs> yeah. another. the the orgies are pretty good. They're pretty robust. They're pretty robust. But uh, um, no, no, they're they're not too bad. Like I said, the, the skills shortage is probably the biggest challenge. Just just getting people these days. And uh, I, I think there's a long legacy of that through um, not enough apprenticeship programs in the country over, over the decades. And uh, outsourcing too much work overseas. So, uh, you know, we're left with some fallout from that. Yeah, I'll bet. All right, Matthew, great to talk to you, mate. Um, and good luck. I'd love to go inside and have a look at one of those, but I don't know. How many how many steps in those? They're pretty tall, aren't they? Yeah, the, the biggest onshore ones at the moment are, are, are sort of just outside of Horsham. They're about 150-odd metres high. Um, so... Uh, they're definitely up there, um, but you're not going to get your ticket to go up there unless you do about five days of heights and emergency training. So uh, it's. Um, and is that what you've done? Yeah, there's a bit to go with it, and uh, of course, insurances when you're working in that industry are, are pretty big. My monthly premiums are, are pretty high, so <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, it's a big overhead to carry. But uh, you know, you do things safely, do them correctly. Yeah. Um, you know those, those risks are, are marginalised, but uh, the insurance. You mentioned a wind turbine to an insurance liability company, and they all go running. Uh huh. Matthew, great to talk to you, mate. Same, Mac. You have a great day. Thanks, mate. Good luck. Thanks. Bye. This is the all over news. 
This is the All Over News, and firstly, from Rochester last week. I'm in Rochi Post program. Your name is? Tony Murphy from Nanila. What do you do, Tony? I own an automotive and truck repair business. Covers a little place they call Australia. You've been busy? <laughs> well, we were up to a few weeks ago till some uh, irresponsible water authority flooded us out, poured a big stack of water through the business. Tell us. Well, they've had leaking dams, they've had leaking regulators, and all of it went from both channels back through our property. We lost our house, our workshops, our toy sheds, offices, barns, and probably about 23 motor vehicles. Wow. So you've been busy repairing, have you? Well, we've been busy repairing. Uh, we're a third-generation motor mechanic, mm. and we've been in this region since 1854. But cars weren't invented then. <laughs> uh, no, but we were blacksmiths back then. <laughs> yeah. a long time to recover, I suppose. Well, yeah, they did it to us in 2011. They've done it to us again in 2022. Maybe it's about time the government sort of worked out how to keep this, these water in the dams instead of through all our properties. That's the big problem, isn't it? Everywhere you look around Australia, certainly on the east coast. Yeah, well, it, it's got time the shareholders sort of, instead of, it's supposed to be an 80-20 deal, 80% for the irrigators and 20% for the rest. So anything that's over that's just waste water. We just can't work out how many hundreds of thousands go cost us to put us back on the planet again. And when you're dealing with insurance companies, they're just a total bane. Good on you, Tony. No great, worries. Great to talk to you. Good luck, mate. Thanks, Mago. Just one family story. Tony Murphy. Also at Rochester, I met a bloke who was most keen to talk to me. I asked him, his name's Russell Waite, why he'd spent 60 years of his life growing and finally writing a book about Eremophilas. I asked, but he really couldn't tell me why he liked them and why it was Eremophilas and not gum trees or banksias or whatever. But this is Russell Waite. Russell Waite. How are you, Russell? I'm from Riddles Creek, which is near Mount Macedon, but I used to live up northwest of Swan Hill at a little place called Coolanong, a nature area. And I've written a book on Eremophilus. It's been a lifetime job, um, nearly 60 years I've been doing it for and travelling to Western Australia since 95 to collect the material and I actually hold the botanical collection of them and it's the largest collection of any of them. How did you get wound up with Eremophilus, for God's sake? Well, they're a plant of the dry country because Eremophila in Greek means desert-loving and living up in the Victorian Mallee, it's a dry climate so they were sort of more suited to that climate. When I sold the farm, I moved down to Riddles Creek and took the collection with me. They grow all right there in Riddles Creek? I've taken a bit of a hammering this year with the, all the wet weather because we've hardly seen the sun for about six months. I wonder why you moved if you'd taken a hammering. You probably regret moving to, what's it called? Riddles Creek. Riddles Creek. Oh, well, yeah, but just got to move on in life. <laughs> Tell that to your Eremophilus. <laughs> yeah, but it's surprisingly how many I can actually grow down there successfully. I used to have trouble with frosts up there in the Mallee because they're more severe up there. They don't all like frosts. There's about 75% of them in Western Australia. They generally grow under about 350 millimetre rainfall. So your book's called Growing Eremophilus. Russell Waite. I've sold about a thousand copies of it so far. Still a lot yet to go. Russell, nice Thank to talk to you. Thanks very much. This is the All Over News, and I want to tell you about the love of my life, bread. It's always been a, ever since I was at primary school and we went to visit a bakery, and every little possum in our primary school class, I think it was fourth class or something like that, got a little tiny little high top loaf of bread. And I just thought it was the ant's pants. I've always loved bread, hence this next story. I'm outside a bakery called La Vie Belle. Correct. I think that means life and beauty or beauty and life or... Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Yeah. I'm talking to Alex. Alex is obviously from France at one time. Alex, tell me your story. So I arrived here eight years ago. I'm from Marseille. Now I'm not from a bakery or pastry background at all. I used to work in finance back in France. <laughs> I did study cooking and I learned from zero when I took over the bakery and the pastry. So... I know quite a bit about bake, bakery and pastry now. 
after two years. I bet you would. But, but why did you get into, why do you think you got into baking? Uh, because I wanted something that represents my country. I wanted to open my own business, but I didn't want like an Australian cafe with poached eggs and avocado. <laughs> I wanted something more authentic. Viva la différence. Yeah, more authentic. Bakery was making a lot of sense to me. What is this about the French and bread? I mean, cheese and wine, but really bread to me. Well, in France, you have got bakeries every corner, if not every two or three building, there's a bakery. So it's really into our traditions, like daily, even my, my parents, my grandparents, just buying the daily baguette. Whatever you're having, start with the baguette and then we'll see the rest after, you know what I mean? Obviously on Sundays, more on Sundays, you get some croissant and, and more sweet stuff, you know. Because I remember when I first started work, and uh, when you're young and you go, to, everybody says, "Oh, we're going to lunch," and they off you go. You tootle along with everybody else. Yeah. Uh, we yep. went to this place called Chez Robert, Chez and he Robert, was, a, yeah. and he was a Frenchman. Yeah. And on the table before you came in, there was these great big loaves of bread. I mean, it was just the whole deal. You had bread on the table. You didn't have to ask for bread, or they didn't, there was a big basket of bread on the table at uh-huh. Chez Robert and I always remember that yeah interesting sorry but yeah I, I think it's just into our culture since generation I always seen my grandparents when I was a kid just just getting the baguettes and how's the Australian wheat it's quite hard to play around sometimes especially as my baker is saying sometimes so obviously I use Australian flour because it doesn't I mean it's it's not viable to use like French flour it's like too expensive and in terms of like storage you know it's it's quite hard but he's saying that it's not really consistent sometimes you might have a bag or two every now and then that is not as good as the other one and then you just have to play around it that's what my other baker saying because I have one French baker who used to work in France and an Aussie one Vietnamese background and he's telling me oh I've been baker for like 25 years and then all I've seen the flour like like this sometimes inconsistent and then it's just like it is the way it is you just can't do much about it still I think we do a pretty good job and the baguette we have here is really good quality like because all the process everything is imported from France or my most of my employees are French and then we do everything as much as possible like in France and how do you adapt how do you like living in Australia it's good there's nothing to complain we are really lucky to be in such a beautiful country like that the only issue I would say pretty far from France far from Europe so every time you need to travel on the way back it's like 24 hours again when I was young there was a lot of French restaurants in Sydney certainly Uh not as many nearly as many uh, but traditional French restaurants Coquille Saint-Jacques and all that sort of stuff which took to me when I looked at a lot of preparation in French food well now it's funny you talk about it one of my good friends, he opened up this French bistro just around the corner called Lamuse Bouche, mm. and they're doing a pretty good job. Maybe French cuisine is making a comeback. Alex, uh, the best thing is French bread and Australian butter and maybe some Australian cheese. I love it. <laughs> That's right. And you have a good cheese shop next door. So uh, for French and cheese, it's like you can't be wrong with French French butter, French bread and cheese. You sound like Mr. Macron. You do? Do I? Promoting France. <laughs> I think my English is better though <laughs> than him. Now he's he got a good English. I've got a little Aussie accent maybe. <laughs> Alex, great to talk to you and good luck. Thank, Thank you, you, Ian. Thank you. That was Alex. I think Mr. Macron's a pain in the neck. Um, that's my personal. But uh, Alex there was promoting, uh, certainly promoting. I said, look, Australian cheese and Australian butter. And French bread. Interesting what he said about uh, the flour, but I suppose that's the same everywhere, isn't it? That uh, the butter's uh, what it is, the flour's what it is. It can get good batches and bad batches. You know what I want to do next week, but I've got I've got a million things to do. We're doing our concert out at Richmond, so I've got to prepare for that um, at the School of Arts, which is raising funds for flood relief. Places like, I don't know where we're going to get, I don't know how much we'll raise, but maybe we'll raise ten or $20,000 with a bit of luck. Not just at that concert, but the things we've been doing in our T-shirts. But we'll have to give some to Can Assist Kel, the lady from Dubbo, um, and also the Lions, Lions in Lismore and Lions in Rochi and 
and CWA and, and also Rotary. Anyway, we'll work it out. We'll try and work it out. But I'd love to go out where they where they dump the wheat. You know, everyone brings their wheat in and talk to the truckies and the people there. Just a lovely thing and a lovely place to be. Uh, Shane's, uh, what are you doing, Shane? Good morning. Yeah, good morning, mate. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. Yeah, I'm actually just up doing a little bit of farming. I suppose we're just doing a bit of spraying up around the Batlow area at the moment. What are you, what are you in? Uh, I've uh, got an AS350 squirrel helicopter and um, got a good bunch of boys working with us and most of them are listening to you on the radio, so I thought I'd give you a, give you a buzz and say good Oh, good on you, Shani. So what are you spraying? Oh, we're just spraying, just spraying out forestry blocks at the moment, um, just recovering after the fire, so getting ready to replant. Uh, the next season of pine trees basically going in. Uh-huh. So, so the weeds and stuff to keep the weeds down and things like that. Yeah, keep the weeds and the blackberries out of it. It's been a pretty good going season up here, so everything's going pretty hard at the moment. Yeah, lots of rain. Battle copter didn't it after the fire? So, and and after the fires, you get rain, and then you get all that ash on the ground, which is lovely. Great growing. That's why after a bushfire, everything grows really like sting. Especially if you get a rain, and the ash makes everything grow. So the weeds, I suppose, and the blackberries come up like stink. 100%. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. But uh, it's a regular program we do up here. Um, yeah, and a beautiful Sunday morning to be doing it. So conditions are good. We thought we'd give you a quick buzz. Oh, we're all up there with you, Shane. <laughs> we're all up. What, uh, what, so you'd swoop down pretty low, would you? Yeah, at the moment I'm just um, uh, probably four foot off the ground, I suppose, when I'm, when I'm on the run. So we'll <laughs> keep it nice and low to maintain the drift. Just stand by there one second, please, Becca. Yeah, mate. Yeah, Shaney, Shaney and his... Did you say squirrel helicopter? How exciting. Yeah, squirrel. Yeah, there you go. What's, yeah. what, what's a squirrel? That's a, a, so called a squirrel because it's quite small. Is that the story? Or? Oh, no, it's just a European helicopter. It's a AS350 um, European machine. Not real small machine, yeah. um, but very capable machine. Yeah, there you go. Well, um, and how long have you been flying, Shane? I've been flying now about 13 years. I was um, I come from a bit of a different background. I was a shearer before that, so um, I thought I'd make the change and see if I could do something different. Yeah, and and you yeah. have, you have. <laughs> <laughs> and how's the apple season looking, Shane, up there? Yeah, look, I think I think really good. I'm probably not into the apples. I like eating them. That's about it. But uh, <laughs> everything's growing. Everything's going really good up here, and you know the people are recovering after the fires. We copped a bit of a sizzling with the fires up here, so um, people are people are pretty resilient, and they're and they're working to, to get through it all, basically. Well, Shani, thanks for thinking of us. It's lovely to talk to you, mate. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll meet you sometime. That's another place we wanted to go see. You you line up all the places you want to do your program because you know people have had a hard time, like with drought and then with bushfires and. And now with floods, the list's a mile long. But we went. We meant to get to Batlow, but sometime we will. No, well, I'll just um, no, well, thanks for taking the call and just a shout out to the crew. I've got a fantastic crew here working with us, and makes life pretty good when you're doing this on Sunday morning. So thanks for saying good day, Backer. Shane, thanks for being you. Good on you, mate. Cheers, mate. Hey, Mac, ready to go? Yeah, good. Thank you. Yeah, you got Brad. Truck driver here on my way to Uh huh. What are you? Uh, where from? Uh, 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 coming out of Brisbane this morning. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm between Cunningham's Gap and Warwick at the moment. And yeah, gonna head into Warwick and have a Just thought I'd give you a ring. Yeah, good on I've been you. Listen to you for probably twenty years. What do you pick up in Moree? Um, yeah, going to load chickpeas. Oh, chickpeas. Right. Probably, probably coming back to Brisbane. And what happens to them then? Uh, like I think they're going to export, go overseas. I see. There you go. So you've been busy, uh, Brad. Is it a busy, busy time now? Yeah, it's pretty busy, mate. Yeah, we run all the way over to the east coast, uh, cut spuds and grain and fertilizer, and yeah, most things that are going to tippers. Yeah, I've just been on the road, uh, travelling down to Victoria, down on the Hume, and and I'm just amazed at the trucks and the number and the. The different, you know, the different names and titles, things I've never seen before, you know, places and truck titles I've never seen before. It's just, it's amazing, Brad, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I, people, you know, you see on the back of a truck, you know, move without 
without us, Australia would stop. Well, it's, but it's true. It's just true. I mean, and I often want to peel back the canvas and say, well, I wonder what they got under there or whatever, you know. It's, just, it's, I, it's exciting. I find being on the road exciting because I see the trucks. You know, I, I try uh, to get the sidekick. Uh, she, she, talk, she says, look at that. Look at that one and writes them down. And I've got them here. I'll get them while you're talking. So what's it like on the road, Brad? The, how's the potholes, mate? Oh, Queensland's not too bad, but New South Wales is atrocious. Yeah. I don't know how they're ever going to get the road back today. They were buggered bloody three years ago, but I don't think we're going to see them as good as what they were then, you know? Well, exactly. That's what I reckon, too. It's it's a huge job, isn't it? I mean, it's just a huge job. The well, thing is, they keep on um, building new roads and repairing roads, but three months later, they're um, buggered again, and um, they keep on building them the same way. Well, it's. I think it's the biggest infrastructure expenditure that we've got. Um, the roads. That's where you spend all your money. And uh, I read a little email before about uh, a couple of Scottish road builders. Um, it's down there in the pile. I'd grab it out, but I. Um, sorry, Drew. Macadam. Macadam. Yeah. And they those couple of Scottish engineers, and they came. They were the experts on building roads. But, but the only thing I'd say in the defence of the roads is that you've had a pretty um, unbelievable weather event for the last six or 12 months and and that's going to impact it. But, you know, I think roads, a lot of roads, especially country roads, not the highways, but even uh, country roads, they're just put down to there and when you get a truck on it and a lot of traffic on it, a lot of water, you know, it's the end, it starts to crumble at the edges and... And then potholes, and some of them, are, you know, people live. There's some of them are so big. There's people living in them. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, but the Newell Highway. I've never seen it in the state that it's in now. We yeah. run the Newell Highway every week or week, and yeah, it's atrocious at the moment. Yeah. All right. Well, Braddy, so you uh, you're at Cunningham's Gap now, and you'll head into Warwick, and then Moree, and then chickpeas back to Brisbane tomorrow, I suppose. Yeah, mate. Yeah. Oh, how nice would that be, mate? How nice would that be to be? Lovely morning out there, I'll bet. Yeah, spot on, mate. Yeah, beautiful, actually. Nice country here. So, yeah, yeah it makes you, makes you um, realise it's good to be alive, you know? Yeah, and good to be out there on the road, too. I just, I've just got some of these. I'll read them. You'll, you'll relate to them, Braddy, because you see them all the time. Where was that bloke? Something Muscles was... South Coast Muscles. It was a little truck. He had South Coast Muscles. Anyway, I'll read you this. Uh, Dundrum Transport, Trianon, Nolans, Rogers, Ansett Trans, Killen Transport, Australia Wide, Bonds, Dormans, Jarvis Bay. Oh, there we are. Jarvis Bay Muscles. Uh, Goulburn Produce, Cowra Freight, Wythes, DMA is a DMA trucking, Port Hall of Portland, Black Trans Express is a big blue truck, Phoenix, Fari Trading, Nick's Pure Jersey Milk, that on the side of it. And Hicks Transport, rent, oh, mate, it just goes on and on and on, and I just love it. I just love it, Brad. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of different, lot of different mobs out there. Trouble is these days, they have trouble getting drivers as well as these. Are. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and it's no, yeah, like, no a joke. Of, a lot of young blokes don't want to come up in the ranks. No, and it seems to me, I don't know, it seems to me a, a good life. Um, if you've got to, you know, you work it out like anybody, any job can be as good or bad as you want to make it, Brad. Yeah, well, it's not a job, mate. It's a life when you're on the interstate. So, anyway, you just, yeah, just do it and get on with it, you know. Where do you live, Brad? Yeah, I'm from Parks. Uh-huh. Yeah, south. Yeah, actually, there'd be a good mate of mine listening to me at the moment, Froggy Everington. I'm usually up busy on a Sunday if I'm home, but, yeah, I'll just say good day to Frog. Froggy. He'd be listening to you now. Yeah, and um, another mate, Steve, Steve Turner, he'd be listening to you as well. Brady, good on you, mate. I'll bump you sometime. Hello, have a good one, Mega. See you, matey. Bye. Thanks, mate. Bye. When I was in, um, when I was in uh, Rochi, well, not in Rochi, I was down the road at Kyabram, wasn't I, Kel? And I bumped into these two lovely people. Um, come and meet Jack. Jack and Lucy, ladies and gentlemen. Your name is? Jack Portia. Jack Portia and? And Lucy Portia. How you going, Lucy? Good, thank you. So, Jack, uh, how long have you been in... Well, I've been in here in Australia 1964. The first year when I came here in 1964, the first time I worked in here in Australia, we built the pool, swimming pool in the stand-up. 
after, I've been Grautomares with my brother-in-law. We've been Grautomares to Andera, Rochester, everywhere. I've been Grautomares me. Then I'm 1968 with Mary, and she come and join in Grautomares too. <laughs> A nice uh, job. <laughs> yeah. Well, hard job, I reckon. It is hard, yeah. Did you do the picking as well? And- oh, yeah, yeah. Years ago, when we started, we pick all by hand. We employ some people from Turkey to come pick by hand. But in 1992, I think we bought a tomato harvest and we started with the harvest. 2004, we stopped growing tomatoes for the harvest and we grow for the market. Pepperskoon and tomatoes and um, eggplants, anything for the market, Victoria market. Now, are you from a, from Italy originally? Yes. Both that's from... why that's why my English is not really Your <laughs> no, English is great. Your English is fine. <laughs> now, tell me, when you first came out of here, did you go to Bongilla? Did you... To no, 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 no. I come straight in, in this town here, Kayabram. Uh-huh. Well, in the farm, but yeah. this area here. And Lucy, what about you? I come from Italy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came in 1952. We stayed around here all the time too. So went to school here in Kyabran, got married in Kyabran, and I'm still in Kyabran. <laughs> but you're not growing tomatoes anymore. No, 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 no. no. Retired now. <laughs> I used to grow 2,000 tonne, and then he pushed me to grow more, and it's very hard to find the land to grow. And I said, no, I don't want to go bigger. I said, oh, if you go big, all right. If you don't go big, maybe you're out. I said, no, no, I'm out. I don't want to go bigger. That's why I've been in Grow Tomatoes, because I, we used to have a farm in Merigam. Oh, Merigam, yeah. You yeah. know Merigam? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to grow tomatoes over there. And uh, then I decided to the bug. I said, I don't want to grow for the canary anymore, but we grow some for the, for the market. And we've been growing another four or five years, and then uh, retired. We built the house in Kyabra. That's where it is now. There you go. Sometimes on the program we've been talking about tomatoes. People, mm. people complain about t- tomatoes, and some bloke called them a bull tomato. I said, "What do you call them a bull tomato?" He said, "Because if you, if you throw one at a bull and hit him, it'll <laughs> knock you out. That's how hard. Oh. <laughs> that's how hard they are." Not really. I tell you now. Years ago, when we used to pick it by hand, they color the tomatoes at thirty-three. Yeah. And it was soft tomatoes. But when we started, 1991, we started growing for the tomato for the machine. Yeah. And the machine was a little bit, uh, it's like Roma tomatoes. Yeah. And it was more firm, it was more good. We used to pick, before we started uh, with the beans, say half a ton of beans. But the last four or five years, we've been growing in the big bulk, say 10 ton in one bean. Wow. And yeah. what do you reckon about the flavour of tomatoes? Because that's the other big thing that people complain about. Oh. Um, they don't taste like they used to. That's what they say. What do you oh, reckon? Well, it depends. depends on what sort of tomatoes you get. Yeah. So, you, like, you get the ones in the hothouses, they are pretty sweet. Mm. Yeah. Depends what, you know, what you what you grow. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But they come from all over. We get a lot of tomatoes from Bowen, right up in Queensland, don't yes. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of tomatoes. That's when we used to grow for the for the harvest. Uh, it was the tomatoes where Rochester was a lot of tomatoes, both, and uh, everywhere was tomatoes. And I reckon for the sauce, because we used to go for the sauce tomatoes. Yeah. Canary tomatoes. Mm. And it was a beautiful, good sauce, good tomatoes, everything. Beautiful. So you're really Kyabram locals, really, aren't you? Yes, yes, Kyabram, yeah. The further we shifted was Merrigam. From Merrigam, we come back to Kyabram, so we haven't shifted much. Well, Lucy and Jack, lovely to meet you, and thanks for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you very much. And have, and, uh, a, have a good trip, all right? Yeah, we'll Enjoy do. And if you say something in the radio mm. Sunday... Tell them thanks for Australia everywhere. We're happy to be here. <laughs> We're right. happy to have you, mate. Yep. Good on you. Good thanks, on you, mate. Thanks very okay, much. Bye. Thank you. So, Thank you. Sorry for my English. It's no, that. your English is fine. No, yeah. <laughs> Good day. This is Macca. Hey, Macca. It's Dave Pearson in Gaira. Good day, Dave. How are you going? Hey, not bad, mate. What's happening yeah. in Gaira? Oh, well, it's overcast today and it's it's cold. Sun hasn't really started here yet, unfortunately. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, look, the reason I'm calling you today, Macca, is uh, we've talked about Rotary before and uh, I'm uh, part of Rotary Australia World Community Service and I just thought you'd be interested in a rather quirky approach that we're taking to helping the uh, flood people. Mm, yep. What we've... We, um, as you know, uh, Rotary also uh, is uh, um, chasing malaria in our neighbouring countries. And with that experience, 
um, we, uh, we came across a, a large quantity of mosquito repellent candles, which we thought we might use as a fundraiser, but then it occurred to us that with all these swarming mozzies down around the flood zones, particularly after the floodwaters start to recede, and the threat of um, Japanese encephalitis and Barmer forest virus and Ross River fever, we thought, well, best thing we could do with these things is to get them down into the flood zones and hand them out to people that have, uh, you know, having to deal with all these mozzies. So what a good idea. Of, it's Aussies fighting mozzies. And um, <laughs> we've got it rolling. <laughs> They're heading towards the flood zones. I mean, that's that's on top of the other things, that, of course, that Rotary's doing to to help uh, in those areas, that, like we always do, as you've mentioned. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning uh, There's one in here now. Listen, uh, Dave, yeah. listen. Look, mate, we'll send you a candle. <laughs> that's what you need one. <laughs> that's the beauty. Yeah. Get him. Oh, beauty. Isn't that yeah, terrible? What the Dalai Lama said, he, he says, if you think you're too small to make a difference, just look at a mosquito. Exactly. They're, they're, they're at the bottom of the food, food chain, but they're at the top, really, and if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, they're the deadliest animal on, on Earth uh, in terms of the number of deaths that they cause every year, through uh, mostly through malaria and dengue and all the other vector-borne diseases that we're aware yeah. of. So how many of these mosquito candles have you got? Well, we reckon we've got somewhere between 40,000 and 50,000. Wow. Well, I need them. There'll be there's lots of when you when you drive through that area now in Victoria, but it'll be the same in New South Wales and out in western New South Wales too. There's water lying around everywhere and it'll, and and often it's pooey water. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. uh, got rotting things in it and yeah, and oh god help us. Yeah. I don't well, know. You know, there's still an issue from the February floods as well. So we're sending uh, some of these candles to Gympie, we're sending them to Lismore. Mm. Um, we had some on the road down to Shepparton as a distribution point, so they're going to Rochi, uh, they're going to Wilga, uh they're going to uh, the Central West so they can get to Yugara and Forbes. Um, yeah, I think uh, we're going to do some real good with this, and it's just a, it's a, it's a bit of a strange one, but I thought you might be interested. Yeah, well, it's a great one, Dave, and good on you. Keep up the good work, and we've killed that mozzie in here, which is... Uh... Oh, there's another one. You wouldn't if they got the doors open down the front. Or what's how they're getting in, John? Might, might be getting sucked in the yeah the system. Good on you, Dave. That's a great uh, great thing. Can people do they? You're you're just sending them down there anyway. People don't have to get in touch. No, I just uh, get in touch with their local Rotarians. The Rotarians will be handing them out, and uh, they might take the opportunity to take a few details too, so that we can get other assistance to people that have been impacted. Oh, you got you got a big job in front of you, Rotary and Lions and and everybody CWA. It's uh, but that's what uh, you know gives you something to do. It's no good sitting around on your banana chair and drinking a pina colada, is it? I mean, you know, yeah, uh, uh, that that only lasts for so long. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Nice Th- talking with you. Yeah. You too, David. Thank you. Good, Macker. It's Rod from Albury. How are you, mate? Good. We were just in Albury, Rod. Well, you're in Albury now. No, we were just in Albury. Oh, yeah? Yeah, on the yeah. way back from to, to and from Rochi. Oh, good on you. Mm. Um, I just heard you mentioning mozzies. I just thought I'd alert you and your listeners. You might know this, but some of your listeners mightn't. But I grew up in Gunnada. My old man was a stock and station agent. I was working in the sale yards with him as a kid. Did he have a white so... Holden ute? <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember the number plate. There you go, sorry. <laughs> they didn't have utes in those days. I'm an old man. <laughs> we had dogs, though. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, around all the sale yards, you'll find all around Australia, you'll find pepper trees. Yep. And the reason you'll find pepper trees around the sale yards is because pepper trees keep the flies and mozzies away. So plant a pepper tree in your yard. I've heard that, and, and I wonder why that is. Oh, I don't know. Probably the bitter taste of the pepper or something. I know that if you haven't got any repellent, if you run your hands down a few leaves of the pepper tree, down a strand of it, and then rub that on your face and arms, the mozzies will not bite you. Really? Yeah, bloody oath. Maybe it's a bit like geraniums. They say snakes, if you grow geraniums around your house, the snakes won't come in. 
or something. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Yeah, there's lots of lots of benefits from plants that you know I certainly oh. don't know. Mate, but, if, yeah, I mean, if people want to do anything about climate change, go and plant a bloody tree or several trees. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. It, and and it, stop talking about climate change and start talking about conservation. Exactly. You know, scares the crap out of kids, you know, talking about the world's going to end. It's not. No, no? it's not going to end. Um, uh, the program's going to end very shortly in five minutes. Roddy, <laughs> um, what was I going to say? How's the Murray? The Murray uh, it was it was up. Uh, I drove across it a couple of times. Oh, Murray, Murray's still up. Murray's yeah. still up. You wouldn't go swimming in it. It's too, the water's too dirty. Yeah. But I've got to, I also got to thank you. I've got a publisher. You found my uh, car for me one day, and that resulted in me getting my book back. This is some years back. Your car? I rang you up. and Yeah, I rang you up. My car had been stolen. I rang you up. You put it out on air. Next thing I got a phone call, this is where the car is, and I got my laptop back, and I had my book on it, my life story, and I've got a publisher, and uh, there you go. So in the front bit where you say uh, uh, to my You'll wife, Beryl, or whatever, you're going to say uh, to <laughs> Macca. Is that I, a name? <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to find that out for years. <laughs> No, you'll get a you'll get a mean smile, son. You'll be right. Uh, I'll give you a free copy. You're the only one uh, I'll get a free copy uh, too. All right, I'd, <laughs> I'd say I'd give you a free t-shirt, but I won't because they're for, for they're for flood relief. A bit Good on you, Rod. Great to talk to you, mate. You too, Jim. See ya. See you, mate. Bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.